On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In the last days of his life, Biggie Smalls had gone to Los Angeles, Tupac's home turf, creating such a commotion that he and his entourage were kicked out of the Four Seasons Hotel. On Friday night, he was a presenter at the Soul Train Music Awards. What's up, Cali? Cheered and jeered by a West Coast audience. Throughout the weekend, primetime has learned, Biggie Smalls' every move in Los Angeles was being tracked by an undercover team of agents from a federal task force here in New York, investigating alleged ties between some of Biggie's business associates and the New York Genovese Mafia family. It was the next night he was shot after attending a crowded music industry party, just moments after the undercover surveillance team had pulled off Biggie to follow one of his associates. I see girls screaming, people ducking. I, I hear a couple of shots. In seconds, Biggie Smalls was dead, shot like Tupac in the passenger seat. According to the police, no random event, but a well-executed hit. This will be an interesting exercise. For the last five years of my life, I can honestly say I might have read more law enforcement documents than any other human being on the planet as it relates to Biggie's murder. But in having this dossier of all of Chuck Phillips' journalistic work in a chronological timeline, I think I'll be able to pinpoint exactly where he started to lie. And I might even be able to triangulate who was feeding him false information and leads. But again, I'm not trying to be forensic with this analysis, but more philosophical. I can relate to Chuck in many ways. I think his pursuit and the sexiness of all the elements of these stories inside hip hop is an elusive target. Back then, Chuck had an advantage that I don't. Chuck had the badge of the LA Times. He had the pedigree. When he called on the phone, he could say, this is Chuck Phillips from the LA Times. While my reporting and investigating has to be done with no bona fides, no cachet, just straight blood, sweat, and tears, and hard work. Such a charismatic, charming, incredible storyteller, likable guy. Like he, like he's forever loved by hip hop. That's just that's it. It's big because it's just the way he was his honesty his brutal honesty you know black and ugly as ever however i stay coochie down to the socks you know like he he can do that like a richard Pryor he was in 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 that way where he can make fun of himself you know and it just seemed just such a charismatic person let me also posit another theory here though maybe chuck was pure in his intentions at first and when he went down this path 
he started to see the real truth that LAPD officers were linked to the murder of Biggie and maybe also knew that Suge had ordered it. His sources at that time seemingly would have been pristine. So maybe he is walking around Los Angeles with this swirling inside his mind. It's heavy. And it's Los Angeles in 1997. It's no joke. The streets, dirty cops, the dirty fucking brass of the LAPD. And let's be honest, crooked politicians. All this is heady stuff. And maybe, just maybe, someone put the fear of God in Chuck. Los Angeles Police Department is embroiled in the worst scandal in its history. Charges of police evidence tampering and perjury have led to the freeing of dozens of inmates who were wrongly accused and convicted. Prosecutors plan to ask a judge today to overturn more convictions as a result of the ongoing LAPD corruption scandal. That now brings the total number of cases overturned to 40. Meantime, the city's dealing with a growing number of lawsuits growing out of this scandal. Several major developments today. Los Angeles officials say it could take years to resolve the city's police corruption scandal. It's worst ever. More convictions were overturned today. The city is looking at millions of dollars in legal claims by people wrongfully accused. Add another nine to the list of cases thrown out because of the LAPD corruption scandal. Plus, a staggering estimate of how much the resulting lawsuits could cost the city. That's a huge mess. That description of the Rampart Police corruption scandal given today by District Attorney Gil Garcetti. Nine more criminal convictions thrown out today. That makes 40 so far, including Stephen Garcia's. For me, rehashing the day after Biggie was killed is old news. For you, maybe it isn't. What isn't old news for me is Chuck's article on March 10th of 1997. I'm reading this for the first time with fresh eyes. It's kind of like staring at a painting in the Louvre for three days, and on the fourth, you find a different pattern. The first portion of the article, after the concrete details of the shooting of Biggie, is the following. Although more than 1,000 people were said to be at the party, police said they had few eyewitnesses and even fewer leads to the shooting at the intersection of Fairfax Avenue and Wilshire Boulevard. At the time of the shooting, hundreds of industry executives and musicians were pouring out of the Peterson Automotive Museum after organizers decided to shut the party down. Some detectives are worried about a repeat of the stalled investigation into the murder of Tupac Shakur. Police there have complained that witnesses refused to cooperate. Detectives said they are investigating whether Wallace's death is linked to bi-coastal tensions within the rap world, but nothing solid to go on. I'm Lieutenant Ross Moore, I'm the Commanding Officer of Wilshire Detective Division. I want to thank you very much for being here because we are requesting your assistance and we're requesting assistance from all the media Sunday morning at 0045 hours, just shortly after midnight, at the conclusion of a party at the Peterson Museum located on the southeast corner of Wilshire and Fairfax Avenue. After exiting the museum, uh, an individual who everybody knows is notorious Big, B-I-G, a notorious rap singer, uh, was shot and killed after he had left the location. Up on the board behind me shows a diagram in which he was in the lead suburban, followed by another suburban with bodyguards, when the vehicle, suspect vehicle, which is a dark, we believe, sedan, 
drove up along to the right side of the vehicle, fired numerous shots into the passenger door of the suburb, hitting Mr. Big numerous times. This article was written less than 24 hours after Big was dead, yet Chuck and the writers have detectives unnamed in the article as sources to start, saying two very critical things here that is establishing a narrative for the LAPD. First, they're setting the tone and idea that no one has come forward to talk to them. And we now know that's bullshit. Secondly, this narrative in the world of hip hop that to snitch is beyond reproach. So they use the example of the Las Vegas PD investigation into Pac. But again, bullshit. There were many witnesses that came forward to the Las Vegas PD that night and the weeks after. The Vegas PD and the mayoral administration at that time just didn't want the murder solved. They used the press for misinformation all the time. I have to tell you that the Los Angeles Police Department right now is currently involved in interviewing approximately 200 witnesses, a number of them from out of the city, uh, several of them obviously from New York uh, who were part of the entourage with Mr. Big. We have some information that we're following up and some leads already that we hope to help us culminate and solve this investigation. But if uh, in the meantime, with this amount of press, we hope to have your viewers and your readers come forward with more information. We have a number of witnesses who fled the scene. We are uh, at the meantime right now, hopefully with some of the witnesses to being able to get a drawing of our suspect. When that happens, we will put that out on the press. I do have to tell you, there's 20 detectives who are working on this under the direction of Kelly Cooper. And uh, we do feel that we will be able to uh, rip this amount of effort put into it. I'm always traveling, always on the road. And the first thing I do whenever I get settled into a new city is I DoorDash items I know I can't live without. And it almost feels like home. Water, alcohol, a charger from my phone, snacks, food from delicious local restaurants, and breakfast in the morning because you can't cook when you're living in a hotel. DoorDash, your door to more. So download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything from pet food to snacks to neck braces, alcohol, toothpaste, Joy-Con controllers for you gamers out there, pretty much anything. You can get it. You must be 21 plus to order alcohol and drink responsibly. Alcohol is only available in select markets. DoorDash, go download it. Come on, get it done. Immerse yourself in the fascinating tale of Song of Solomon by the legendary Pulitzer Prize winning author, Toni Morrison, a mesmerizing coming of age masterpiece that has captivated readers around the world. Follow the protagonist, Milkman Dead, who was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a roof in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, Milkman too will be trying to fly. As Morrison follows Milkman on a quest to uncover his roots and himself in his Rust Belt hometown to the place of his family's origins, she introduces an entire cast of strivers and seeresses, liars, and assassins, the inhabitants of a fully realized black world. As the New Yorker put it, Morrison moves easily in and out of the lives and thoughts of her characters, 
luxuriating in the diversity of circumstances and personality. Whether you're a seasoned reader or new to Toni Morrison, Song of Solomon is a must-read that will ignite your imagination and leave you wanting to read more Morrison. Song of Solomon, a timeless tale that will stay with you long after you've turned its final page. Available now at TonyMorrison.com and wherever books are sold. All right, so life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to 100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special or you and the wife need a scintillating night out every once in a while at least. So download Earn In Today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in the dossier under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The other thing here is detectives at the LAPD are not talkers. They don't openly talk about murder investigations to the press less than a day later. But Chuck or his cohorts had someone from inside LAPD's robbery homicide division talking to them right away, managing the narrative. That I know for a fact. Los Angeles Police Department spokesman Jason Lee said, We're not ruling out anything at this time. Could be anything. Could be a gang. Could be ties to something. Could be a random shooting. We don't know. And here's the gut punch. LAPD detective Raymond Futami goes on the record stating he suspects that witnesses in the Wallace case are afraid to talk. Here is his direct quote. It's frustrating, said Futami one of nearly a dozen detectives on the case. I think there's a lot of people who are not coming forward. I'm sure there's a little bit of an intimidation factor because of the reputation of some of the people who are involved in this case. Interesting to say the least. Biggie's body isn't even cold. The detectives have been working for less than 12 hours. And this is being fed to Chuck Phillips? I wonder why. Lieutenant, witnesses, cooperative, uncooperative? The witnesses we've interviewed have been cooperative. Those that haven't come forward or we haven't talked to yet, I can't tell you about. We hope they will be. We're looking at uh, witnesses who can give us an identification. We're talking to people who hopefully can tell us who's involved in this murder. Do you have any information as to whether he was lying in wait or attended the party uh, where this vehicle came from? 
I would think uh, the indications were that if he was the intended target and he was hit, that someone had to be laying in wait for him to come out. Can you tell us exactly how many witnesses have been interviewed today? No, I can't. I, can't be, I cannot because, uh, like I said, we have uh, 20 investigators assigned to this out of Wilshire detectives, plus two detectives out of uh, our criminal, criminal apprehension section downtown. And interviews are going on right now. Uh, I would estimate uh, we have another 150 witnesses to interview. I can make the assessment now that this very first article was well sourced by insiders in the LAPD, and it was just the facts sprinkled with an easy out for the investigation. A narrative steeped in racial narratives that those inside are scared to rat on the actual shooters. One thing missing from the article is a key point I would find out years later and a fact that if the LAPD wanted to actually solve the case, would have planted this in the LA Times instead of bullshit from street detectives who didn't even work the case for one minute, like Detective Raymond Futami. The missing link of Chuck's story is that the Peterson Automotive Museum had an upwards of $25 million worth of cars on display that night. And there were surveillance cameras inside and outside that museum. They got cars up in there that cost hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in that museum. What the first thing they're gonna make sure there's working? They security cameras inside and outside, right? What they're going to make sure that they have enough security, enough police, enough presence that nothing don't go wrong. It's no way that you're going to tell me there was a bank across the street that they didn't get the, the LAPD uh, didn't get the footage from the nearby places when it was told to them that car was parked on that corner all night. You understand? They have the evidence to make this case. Another interesting tidbit in the article finds itself in one of the last paragraphs. Police pursued initial reports that the gunman was riding in a black utility vehicle. And about two hours after the shooting stopped, a man in the area whose vehicle fit the description, Futami said, the man had a gun and police booked him on suspicion of firing it into the air shortly after the slaying. But they did not consider him a suspect in the killing. The police now believe the assailant's vehicle was a dark, full-size car, not a truck or sport utility vehicle. Got into the cars. My car was in front. Biggie was in the vehicle behind. Both vehicles proceed to the intersection of Fairfax and Wilshire. As the traffic signal turns red, Puffy Suburban runs the light while Biggie stops. A black Chevy Impala creeps up inches away from Big. I was behind Big in the passenger seat talking to some females on the sidewalk. And maybe like a second later, this Impala pulled up. I was in the car with Puff. We heard something go, pop, 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 pop. Everybody in the car ducked down. We were screaming, they shooting at Big. Chuck Phillips at that time was a beat reporter who dabbled in profiles and other long-form journalism. 
But starting on March 11th of 1997, Chuck would become the main investigative reporter for the LA Times, and it would start a run of articles into the killing of Biggie. The devil again is in the details, and hindsight with anything is always 2020. but these articles are a roadmap for me. A revisiting of things maybe I missed in my many years exploring these narratives. Imagine finding old photographs in your attic or basement. But in this case, when Chuck was ultimately fired from the LA Times and disgraced, a lot of these articles were pulled from online archives. I'm working from actual hard copies of an LA Times time capsule in essence that might be forever erased out of the embarrassment or the lack of being able to fact check all of Chuck's work. That is why the painstaking detail-oriented work of going through all these articles leading up to the big lies has to be done. The end of the article seems fitting for Chuck's work. A quote from the acting mouthpiece of Death Row Records as Suge Knight was in jail at that time. This is the quote. It's ludicrous for anyone out there to blame Death Row, said Norris Anderson, who took over as general manager of Death Row after Knight was jailed on a probation violation in October. We do not condone this kind of activity, and Death Row certainly had nothing to do with it. Snoop and Biggie and Puffy have been in the press recently trying to quash this media madness. The senator, look at this as payback for the Shakur. I mean, it's no secret they were bitter enemies. Is there any way that this could be some kind of payback or retaliation for what happened in Mosley? The uh, detective investigation is going directly in all kinds of directions, and we're not overlooking any possibility of a payback or a gang-related type shooting. Uh, we're not overlooking the fact that this was possibly a, uh, a hit, a directed target. We're looking at this as connection with a number of murders that have occurred around the country dealing with rap singers. Obviously, uh, we had one as early as two years ago at the El Rey Murder, or at the El Rey Theater following the uh, Soul Music Awards. Two days after the death of Biggie, Chuck Phillips is already messaging for Suge from jail. Everyone knew at that time that no one did nothing at death row without Suge saying so. He worked the phones from jail and from proxy to keep control. Chuck putting a sympathy quote from Norris Anderson at this time is outlandish. Everyone knew that the beef between Puff and Suge all landed at the feet of Biggie even at this time in the narrative. Again, I ask, how and why did Chuck Phillips become a shill for Suge? What did Suge have on Chuck? Or was it a simple transaction of the almighty dollar? 
In related news, on Tuesday, as the body of murdered New York rapper Notorious B.I.G. was driven through the streets of Brooklyn, the Los Angeles Times reported that Biggie's killer may also have been an L.A. gang member, one of Compton's Southside Crips. The Compton Police document to which we've been referring also states that Biggie's label Bad Boy Records employed Southside Crips gang members as security. According to the Times, Biggie's killer may have believed that Biggie owed him money, and Biggie had been warned that his life was in danger if he didn't pay. They're looking at fact that the same group of Crips who were doing business with Bad Boy Records, and apparently there was a personal beef which occurred between somebody from Southside and Biggie Smalls. That's the news for now. Stay tuned for more throughout the day here on MTV.